Hello, everybody, and welcome to Ampersand and Sons with Julian Finn and the ridiculous, rambunctious, unfunny miscarriage, Neil Bailey. How are you today? <laughs> I'm great, Neil. How are you? Oh, I'm, uh, I, I had a great time explaining to my son what a miscarriage was today. I mean, to be fair, the show isn't technically aimed at children. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, and I had to have the conversation with him sooner or later uh, so that he understood, you know, why my mother keeps chasing me around trying to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, uh, you know, um, yeah, mm, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, okay, so, so before we summarize, we should let our listeners know, for those of them who didn't read your review, that, uh, that, this this episode probably won't be as lengthy as the other ones because there isn't going to be quite as much disagreement because, I don't know, I might be speaking out of turn here, but the general feeling about this episode, Holding the Wrench, is that whoever was holding the wrench should have probably hit themselves in the face with it rather than write about three quarters of what we got this week. Well, you know, if the reaction of the people who decided to send me rich vitriolic responses this week is any indication, it was the most powerful hour of television that ever was, because clearly the problem is that I just don't understand super, uh, uh, Lois's emotional uh, state and how this had to happen. Um, but that shows, you know, the way that story can take sway over people and and give them power, uh, give give the story power over necessarily reason. Um, right. Which I and understand. So, I get it. And, the, and this is one of the things that we'll talk about in this, because I think where you and I delineate is I am willing to not even I, I hate the expression turn my brain off and just kind of enjoy it because it implies that I'm not noticing the crap as it's going through. But I am willing when it's a show or a movie that's adapting a property that I love to overlook things that I might not otherwise like I will go back and watch Elf with Will Ferrell six times every Christmas <laughs> despite the fact that it is not a perfect movie but I am constantly wildly entertained by it so that's one of the things we'll touch about but the general consensus folks out in uh, listener land is and, and big spoilers for the podcast to come neither of us enjoyed this episode a whole bunch <laughs> And to what you're saying, you know, just uh, as a brief aside, I, I am like you in most things when it comes to stuff I watch. So I kind of get the, if you don't like it, don't watch it, which is a poorly constructed argument. But I get the whole, like, turning your brain off thing. And I tend to do that in everything that I'm not doing a detailed analysis review for. You right. know, like there are a lot of things like I love, I love, and you can, y'all, you know, like I can, I can hear people groan when I say this right through the, uh, the podcast radio, but I love the first three, uh, prequel movies. I do. I love them oh. unabashedly. They're, they're terrible. I know they're terrible, but I love them. So, you know, like they're, I get they're it. Extremely I get terrible. it. Well, and I mean, so we forget sometimes that the word fan is short for fanatic. And when you're fanatic about something, when you're fanatical about something, you tend not to use your whole brain when analyzing it. And I yeah. ran into another instance of this yesterday that's also comic book rooted. There was some, as my as my uh, British friend and co-worker would, would say, some controversy uh, afoot. <laughs> 
um, regarding the long-awaited and finally about-to-be-realized adaptation of Mr. Neil Gaiman's Sandman comics on uh, Netflix. Right. Which I'm extremely looking forward to. And certain segments of the fan base reacted to a particular piece of casting news yesterday with uh, some vitriol. Well, treat me, treat me like I'm completely ignorant and stupid because I am completely ignorant and stupid about this. I have no idea what people because I stay off that kind of stuff for the most part. Uh, what what are they what are they mad about now? Okay, well, have you read Sandman? Yeah, I've read I've read I think the first eight trades. Okay, so you you've gotten the core of the idea. So they are very upset about two casting choices in particular. The second one more so than the first one. Although had it just been the first one, they probably would be still fixated on that. Uh, the first piece of casting that has made the fan base irate, although I would question whether a person who's mad about this is actually a fan, uh, is that they made des- the character Desire. Um, they have cast a nine non-binary actor to play that character. <gasps> oh no! Say it isn't so, Julian. Yeah. What and, is that? And, it? Are yeah, you? Can, you're, this is not a joke. This is not a joke. That was the first piece of controversy. <laughs> oh God! All right, do go and, on. <laughs> and the second one was that they announced the casting of fan favorite character from the series Death. And okay. they were mighty miffed, certain segments of the fan base, that death is going to be played by a young black woman. Oh, oh, okay. All right. See, I thought you were going to say death was being played by Amanda Palmer or something. No, like, no. like, like they're, they're mad because they, they swapped the race. That's it. Well, they didn't even swap the race. So here's the thing, and and here's why I. Well, bring that's this true. Up. Yeah, no, like, okay, so, so sorry, I'm just processing this on the fly here. Yeah, they didn't swap the race. You're right. Like, it just yeah. okay. Wow. Yeah, that's it. That's a nothing burger. That's like yeah. two nothing burgers. Right. So so here's the thing, and the reason I bring this up is just to highlight the fact that these people are probably not all bigots <laughs> some of it is probably no but some of it is probably coming from a place where they love these characters they love the way that the characters were depicted in the books they don't understand the books i feel i'm <laughs> safe in saying that but they but this concern probably comes from a a true appreciation of the work i'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and sometimes when we appreciate a thing very, very much. It's hard for us to see the flaws in our own analysis of it. So the reason that Neil and I are laughing about these two pieces of controversy is the character the 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 characters in this series for the uninitiated are a family called the Endless. Um, they are dream, desire, uh, death, destruction, despair, destiny, and delirium. Damn, you got a better memory than me. And they are not people. They are the personifications of primordial archetypes who predate the existence of planets. And so (laughs) to get pissy that one of these seven primordial archetypes doesn't look like a gothic Irish chick seems to miss the point of who these characters are. And in particular, to get mad about the character of Desire being non-binary when the character of Desire 
is in fact is, depicted right? as either male or female, depending yeah. on the person who is in lust with them at any given right. moment. Yeah, kind of. I mean, is it, it's built into the kit. This is like even like it's nothing has changed. No, and that was written in the eighties when nobody knew yeah. what non-binary meant, right? Like, uh, yeah. But this again, is why we can't have nice things. No, but but the point of this is is you're getting vitriol for the same reason that Neil Gaiman's getting vitriol. Yes, there's <laughs> probably some folks out there that are not acting in good faith and are actually coming at you know, that particular property or your particular review from a morally repugnant position. Um, But most people are just fans of a thing. And when you're a fan of a thing, you forgive a lot, but you also are very particular about things. And I've been guilty of that, too. Um, When Cursed hit Netflix, Cursed is ostensibly an Arthurian legend adaptation um, based on a comic book written by Frank Miller, that follows the adventures of the lady in the lake before she goes swimming. Um, (laughs) When, when I watched that, my initial gut reaction when they cast King Arthur as a black man, but cast his biological father, Uther Pendragon as a white man was to be like, what? And then I realized that the show was dumb on so many levels that it didn't really matter. And I just, literally shut my brain off and tried to enjoy it um the male dragon it's the male dragon you know he's delivering the mail and you know yeah but the first gun instinct was like that's not right there were no black people in dark ages britain especially not in you know a position where they would be legally allowed to walk around with a sword um and so like well here's the question julian did you did you um did you then find people who liked the show online and wrote reviews saying that they liked the show and go to them and say, "Hey, you're ruining my non-enjoyment of this. I don't understand why you don't just go away." Like, have now, you ever what thought I about did, doing a thing like that? What I what I did was I went on Twitter and I because the show was trending because it had just hit Netflix. And so I, sure. I found one of like the blue check mark people that had tweeted and I replied, you know, if you like Arthurian legend enough to say, know who Cretchen de Troy was and why he's important to these stories, you will probably want to skip one or skip this one. If the extent of what you know about the Arthurian legend is what you learned from the Disney King Arthur movie, the sword and the stone, you will enjoy this. Buckle up. It's probably quality TV for you. Enjoy it at will. Well, that's, that seems like a bit of an analysis there. That seems like a little bit of a, a, a an opinion which you could take or leave as opposed to trying to influence others who have or not have an opinion simply because it is the opinion that you have. That is the distinct Fair. difference, I think. That's the thing that baffles me and has baffled me for 20 years now as I write all of these reviews. I'm always just confused as hell that like there's any impulse at all to be like I like this and you don't like this thing so you need to shut up like not the I like this thing and you don't like this thing because Neil Neil it's foundational to who we are as people if you love your girlfriend and someone calls her ugly you punch them in the face I do not see that's the weird thing I do not like I never have had that impulse I've been like yeah, know what? You know, your opinion is wrong, but uh, let's debate it. That's always been my impulse. Sure, but most people don't work that way, which is why we get things like endless war in the Middle East. 
Oh my god. You know, this is this is my but, blind but spot my... and this is my problem. I believe in people. I have that whole Superman yeah. like, yeah, no, you're eventually gonna come around and not be awful. <laughs> but my my point my point in all this to say is I didn't like this episode and you didn't like this episode, and there's very good reasons for why we didn't like this episode that we are going to get into for the next half an hour or so. But I fully understand why the vast majority of people who have been along for the ride for this show since episode one would come away from this episode and go, that was a satisfying conclusion to that particular arc, and I enjoyed it. Well, and if you are not looking at, like, if you're not thinking about the story at all, if you are paying, if you are being resonant with the emotional beats of the episode more than the plot or more than... More than like, if you're not even thinking about the past episode, if you're just like, this is an episode, and I'm going to think of it completely out of context, uh, context with the previous episodes, I can absolutely see getting emotionally swept up in Lois's journey. That's not the problem that I have so much with the episode. Yeah. Um, but but you know that that's for spoilers. Okay, so let's. It's your turn to summarize because I did it last week. Oh dear lord. Um. So, <laughs> so um, this week. Lois has an interpersonal conflict with Jonathan that leads her to seek therapeutic help, which leads to what appears to be a breakthrough, and the John Henry Irons incarceration story is resolved. Oh, that's a, that's a suit. You left out a murder van and, like... (laughs) Robot yeah, well, that's the spoiler poop. stuff. Yeah, no, I'm I'm trying to be super vague because all right, know, all right. I, I don't know. So, so that that's fair, I suppose. Uh, Jordan displays some uh, a new superpower in the form of of poorly playing the piano, but like <laughs> well for someone who hasn't had much practice in the last few years. The Dewey Cox scene, yes. I I we're going to talk about that because I read your review and, and even I thought that you were a little hypercritical <laughs> of certain elements that you would normally just let play if well, there, it hadn't been in the middle of this. There are two Dewey Cox scenes. We'll get to that, but there are two yeah. Dewey Cox straight lifts in this episode. But what, what was great for me was, so we're recording this on Thursday. Episode came out on Tuesday Last night, Wednesday, me and Ellie sat down. We've been slowly working our way through uh, Mayor of Easttown on uh, HBO, which is glorious. Um, It's Kate Winslet looking the exact opposite of the way that she did in Titanic, uh, playing this (laughs) grizzled police detective in an absolutely awful, awful, horrific, dark murder mystery, like true detective style story. (laughs) I am watching Um, it this week. I haven't yet, but I'm looking forward to it. It's great. There's this moment, though, in the episode where she goes in to mandated therapy and has, <laughs> and, and has this three minute monologue about how, you know, she knows some people find it super helpful. And, and, and she knew this cop who, who went for therapy and, uh, and and wound up leaving the force. And now he runs his own business and he's super happy working down on the dock. And, 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 and she's like, but don't expect me to have a breakthrough because I'm not built that way. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm watching that happen. And as I'm watching that happen, I'm thinking about the completely contrived made for TV version of that, that we got 
in this week's episode of Superman and Lois. And I was like, there is a difference in the handling when you care way more about character than you do about plot. Yeah, that is right? that is a very that is it is they use therapy as a device instead of therapy as a setting yeah. or a tool to complement the character's conflict. So so I am going to tell you that in this episode, there were two things that I enjoyed. I probably enjoyed two things as well. Carry on. What's yours? The first thing I enjoyed was a return to sanity inexplicably of Sam Lane. <laughs> I don't know if I buy that one, but I'll listen to your rationale, certainly. No, so, sure, we've got this awful beat where he's like, I'm gonna bring in a torturer, and oh yeah, I've got, like, a bunker filled with various kryptonite <laughs> weapons, just in case you know, my daughter Lolo ever comes to me and cries and says you gave her another miscarriage. Those um, are pretty big, though. Those are pretty yeah. big. Little yeah. little big there, Julian! Little big! Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, we have, the, we have those teensy, tiny beats that, that don't play fantastically well, although... I am inclined to forgive the kryptonite bunker because I loved it. I didn't even have to forgive it. I loved it when it was Batman doing that. <laughs> no, but like for, as a comic book reader. And so like that's, that's the root. These are comic book characters. These are comic book tropes. Batman's carried a kryptonite bullet in his belt pack since at least Identity Crisis. Oh, well, if you're talking about the kryptonite ring and the Batman uh, contingencies, like a la Wade and Tower of Babel, I'm absolutely yeah. with you. If you're talking about, like, the Batman... I thought you were, like, the Batman v Superman, you know, because everything out of that scene is straight-up Batman v Superman beat it is. Beat. It is straight-up Batman v Superman, yes. Um, no, but, like, I liked that... Sam Lane wasn't played as a paranoid psychopath this episode compared to the way that he has been. And even more, I'm questioning why they played him that way if this was going to be the resolution of the Captain Luthor storyline, right? Like, if this was always where it was going to be headed with John Henry Irons turning off skeets and riding off into the sunset to, like, stare at his navel and figure stuff out. <laughs> I don't understand what the point of all of that tension with Sam Lane was to begin with, but I was pleased this week that we got less of that and more just gruff military dude who cares more about the mission than anything else around him. Yeah, they decided that, to give the stupid pills to Superman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that that I was okay with. And you're going to hate me for this, but I actually really enjoyed the final beats. I mean, minus the fact that they let this guy out of jail <laughs> after he did some terroristy stuff <laughs> and gave him back his murder van and uh, sent him on his merry way. But, Lois, but, no, Lois gave him back his murder van. Lois, the one who had to go to therapy because her, her child almost died in said murder van. Yeah. No, but like, no, but that's not why she went to therapy. That was the pretext uh, for yeah, the therapy. Yeah. The reality was a little different. But no, I I liked the there was real catharsis in John Henry Irons' reclamation of his identity, the switching of the profile from Cap, even though it made no sense, and the murder van should have immediately incinerated him. When I, I don't understand how any of that works. Um, because but, neither did the writers. No, no, I understand that. But emotionally, 
that beat was very satisfying for me where he's like, well, now I got like my entire foundational argument for existing. The reason I get up in the morning is probably not great. And I'm probably wrong, and I don't know what to do with my life. I may, no, have, committed, I, I may have committed some light treason. Some light treason, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but like, aside from the fact that it was a boat, like, you know, drifting calmly in a sea of stupid, I really enjoyed that beat. I, I enjoyed that Visually, resolution. Visually, acting-wise, and music-wise, the show has lost none of its quality. And solely on that basis, divorced from absolutely everything else, I actually can see what you're talking about. Uh, it, it is so grossly overshadowed by the story for me that that I could not experience it in the same way, but I could totally see getting there just from, from the emotional impact of the moment. Sure. Yeah, you know what this is for me? What this show has become for me? And I, I'm... A hundred percent sure it will resurge and figure itself out again because the writing team did know what they were doing and I've checked and it's the same writing team. So somebody got, or mostly, so somebody got drunk at some point and just forgot how plot works is my working theory right now. Um, but what it is for me is this show is Samuel L. Jackson reading Go the F to Sleep. <laughs> All right, go on. I don't even care about the content. I just love oh. hearing him say the words, right? <laughs> and the acting is so good, and the visuals are so good, and they are so adept at emotionally conning me that I am willing to subdue my rage over stuff like... No, actually, you know what? I'm not willing to subdue my rage. We are going to talk about frigging skeets, which is what I'm calling that thing until they give it an actual name. Um, I'm talking about the AI and Skeets is, is Booster Gold's AI and they seem to be playing it up as basically being the same thing. Um, only it's not an artificial intelligence. It's an artificial stupid thing because I don't understand <laughs> oh, man. at all. The plot thickens though. Like, are we going spoilers now? Yeah, oh, we're already okay. spoilers. All right. we're, so, yeah, so, you summarized, we're spoilers. So I watched uh, a little beat because I was doing some research for the review, and I realized that when Clark goes into that thing for the first time, it recognizes him as Captain Luthor. It says, hello, Captain Luthor. Yeah, I brought, that up, walks in. Yeah, yeah, I brought that up so, last week. So it recognizing Jonathan... Well, actually, no, that makes coherent sense. As much as I want to tool on this episode, and it deserves tooling on, it actually has a coherent explanation because the camper van doesn't act the fool. Uh, the, the murder van doesn't act the fool with uh, Jonathan, Jonathan until after he opens the gun fridge, which isn't actually a fridge, but I'm running with it anyway because that's my that's my bit. But yeah. like when he opens the gun fridge, that's when it starts going... I am ED209, you have five seconds to comply, you know? Yeah. <laughs> which is, and, which is oh, also stupid. Such, such, no, but such a good movie. Did, um, you see, did you see, like, my extended, like, deconstruction of how every level of that murder van makes no coherent sense there? It I makes, mean, like... Okay, so, so the murder van... The, the the which which I mean Walter White and Jesse would be extremely jealous of if they had had it tricked out to that degree they would not have encountered some of the problems that they encountered in the first couple of seasons of Breaking Bad. Um, but when did he have time to do that? 
Well, I I brought that up. It's like it, it this is like a seven week project, even if you're a really good handyman. And he's and you have, like, it's a seven week project if you've got a million dollars to throw sure. into it. Yeah. And not, right? not like my ship just blew up and I got nothing but my but my bald head and, and a raging hate for Superman. A couple of hundred thousand dollars worth of fabrication equipment. <laughs> well, you know, where did he okay, get? To where be did fair, he get lasers? Fair, no, I could but, rig up. I could rig up a passable version of that van for probably thirty grand, maybe thirty grand. But like, why? Why? Like you like you give them twenty seconds to comply, and then like. Shutters? So like you don't No, want but to leave? here's but here's the thing. Here's the thing that makes no sense. You've built this murder van, <laughs> this this literal rolling death trap, and yeah, I saw what you did there, show writers. Um you built this murder van to protect what? Oh, you see, that's the no, thing, no, Julian. No, no. The you computer, thought about it. That's the problem. The it's computer, to protect John Henry's computer, identity, which means nothing to anyone but us, the audience. The, the computer that only displays its information to Captain Luthor and inexplicably this universe's version of Lois Lane that it somehow knows how to recognize. Despite, like, I like. This what is, is why the it's point? terrible. This is why it's terrible. There is no point. They didn't think it through. They just said, this sounds cool, so we're doing it. And that's why I tooled on it in the review. And people, you know, I get it. I get the instinctive feeling that the real reason they're ticked off is not because they enjoyed it, but because they enjoyed it and my review kind of exposes the fact that they weren't critical to them and they feel like I maybe should have known this. You know, like, maybe I should have seen this. And that's not my intention, is to make them feel humiliated. It's actually to, to, to spur conversation. But really, it's very clear that not even the writers thought about this. They were like, hey, murder vans are cool. And most people were like, hey, cool murder van, right? And and it's not that I think I'm better for noticing that. It's that it's my job to notice that. No, it, no, no. Like, it was pretty glaring. Like, nothing about... Okay, so why is the murder van on the Kent farm? Who let that happen? Why is the murder van, period? Like, I don't it's, understand why it what, exists. Well, what I don't get about it is I write TV scripts, and I write novels, and I write things like this. And the very, very, very first thing I, first thing I do is I look at any scene, and I go, does this follow from what came before, and does this properly set up what is coming next, and does it all make sense? And right. that's not a very difficult chore. That is not the hardest chore of writing a script. And so what's happened is, I'm guessing, you prob you're probably right, it's written by committee, and they're like, like somebody had the murder van idea, and somebody had the glowing red-eye Superman idea, and somebody has the, 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 the Thor hammer idea, and they kind of cobble it all together, and then, you know, I'm guessing they're probably short on time. I'm betting they had a lot of time for the first three episodes. And then later episodes are like, oh, we got to do this. What are we going to do? Oh, my God. And things are getting pulled out and things are getting put back in and things are getting pulled out and things are getting put back in. And naturally, it becomes a cornucopia mess. I don't know, though. And it's not fair of me also to assume that's what's going on. Um, but in lack of any any other evidence, you know, I don't want to be like, well, this must be a chronically inept writer because there there has to be some reason that they're not doing that basic chore of screenwriting. Yeah, like I, I I'm fixated on this van because it's the most puzzling <laughs> thing. You have like, twenty seconds to change subjects. Nineteen. Like I, I've 18. watched I've watched every episode of the Boss Baby cartoon on Netflix because oh, we've got God, a two and a half year soul. old here who's obsessed with it. And every single moment of that cartoon makes more sense than this murder van. Like, I, I just, 
You know, I'll do anything for my son, but I, I refuse to watch Boss Baby. That was one of the few lines in the sand I had for my three-year-old. I was, I'll cut you! No, not really. But, yeah, like, you know, like, like stepping <laughs> stepping back to a macro vision of this show, we get Captain Luthor, who we know is now John Henry Irons. His suit gets depleted of kryptonite in that last fight with Superman. And so, in order to complete his mission on Earth, he grounds his spaceship and goes on a quest to find more kryptonite so he can power up his suit and kill Superman. Like, that's the preamble to all of this. And instead, he befriends Lois Lane, spelunks in some caves in Smallville, and builds a murder van. And I don't understand any (laughs) of it. He's like, I got a great plan. No, wait, stop. Hammer time. You know, like, like it's like it's like they forgot where those beats started. Uh, they 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 yeah yeah yeah. I have a note. Yeah. I have a note from the episode of, and maybe you can fill me in. Did I miss some dialogue after last week where Clark told Jordan he couldn't play football anymore? No, there is a beat at the very beginning of the episode where they're fixing the truck, where where Clark kind of shrugs and says, you know, uh, I we better tell the coach that you're not playing football anymore. He's really going to miss you. Turn in the shirts. That's literally the resolution. So, yeah. So that moment bugged me because if you're going to, like, okay, so... Guys, email us. Help me understand this. If you disagree with our take, you disagree with our take, and I'd love to hear why. But we've got this unnecessary conflict between Jordan, Sarah, and Jonathan that gets introduced last week for no apparent reason other than to get the boys where they need to be by the end of the episode. It looks in this episode like they're carrying that through and not pretending that that wasn't a terrible choice and that it never happened, which I don't understand, but sure. But then, then, when there's a legitimate source of conflict on the table, which has been mined in Superman media before, which is the you can't play football anymore because your powers made bad things happen... Jordan just shrugs and wanders by Sarah's like, gotta stop doing this thing that gave me confidence and made me popular in this new school. It's totally okay. Want to play some piano? It's not even the unbreakable version of that. But, you know, like, I I, I was I was going to, like, try and take your mind off of things, you know, by making you sing a song while I play chords that you give me on the guitar. <laughs> That's kind of what they did in the show. They're like, no, but hey, like, we're going to sing. But that Look over here. That would have been 10 minutes of conflict that would have driven the character interactions that we already know forward. Even if it would have been annoying, it would have made sense. None of this, this, this whole episode is like the Chewbacca defense the therapist, episode of South Park. The therapist that I spoke to to speak to the therapy in this episode even had a better resolution for the way that these things could have come about in this episode and the way that like just simple things could have changed the plot so that it was not as crazy and hackneyed um, and just basically made it so that... Um, so that it, it, Lois and Clark talk and maybe prime the pump a little bit, 
you know, and, and did something like, hey, you know what? Like, I, I just, I suddenly had a flashback to Natalie. Well, you better go see your therapist, the last person you spoke to about this that wasn't, that was impartial. You know, like, there are so many ways that they could have set up drama here, the ways that, the ways that they could have followed through things. But it reads like what they did was they had to write this divorce from other episodes, and they didn't know what came before, and they don't know what's coming after, which is typical TV stuff, but it also... Like, we're still here. We're the audience. We're watching this. And we see what it's you a do. Major, and it's a major resolution point. So, like, to follow that analogy through, it's kind of like what Microsoft used to do before uh, Satya Nadella took over from Balmer, where they would have the different coding departments siloed completely. They weren't allowed to talk to each other. So the team working on one part of the operating system for the next release, say Windows 98, didn't know what happened after their code ended, and the team working on the next chunk of the operating system didn't know what happened before then, which is why every new version of Windows that came out required two service packs over the first year to be remotely usable. Um, like There's a really weird habit in collaborative media, and I don't know if it's from a top-down thing where they're like, well, we can't have these people talking, otherwise they'll discuss their wages. But like, like <sighs> where there's... Where there's very little organized coordination or where there's too many cooks spoiling the broth and there's not really, you know, like there's a situation where anything that could help things be more coherent, they kind of fight in favor of the way things have always been done or the thing that is the most profitable. And that's a flaw of capitalism. But like yeah. you have the situation here, they're like, we got to get these 15 episodes out. And you're surprised when by the eighth, they're just a pile of crap. And the first three are really, really good. It's like getting that first album out, taking eight years and then doing the next one in two years. And they're like, their sophomore album isn't as good. Well, no kidding. You yeah. know, like, like no there's, wonder there's... things are coming off the cart. There's three major chunks to this episode, right? So there's there's the resolution of the John Henry Iron story mixed in with the Batman v Superman kryptonite fight with yeah. the with the XK powered soldier who makes no sense being there. He's just kind of there, and stuff happens. And third John generation Henry, military family, my friend. And John Henry Iron's facial expression during all of that is basically what my facial expression was <laughs> like. What is happening right now? I don't understand any of this. No one showed me a script. Um, so there's that chunk of the story. And there's this weird little talent show interlude with Sarah and Jordan that only exists, from what I can tell, to get us to Kyle being falling down drunk again. Like, that's the whole purpose behind that entire it subplot. It was so phoned into, like, they didn't even try. It was just like... Yeah, I'm gonna be there and everything's great. Here's my guitar, blinky, blinky, blinky. I'm a great dad. It's like, like, ain't nothing bad gonna happen today from Dewey Cox. But am I missing anything there? Like, was there any reason for that subplot to exist other than to crunch time and lead to Kyle's fall? No, and, and what's, what, it's, it's a repeated beat too. It's like, we already know that Kyle always fails Sarah. And I think what they're trying to do, I think the effort was to try and be like, well, maybe he can change. Maybe he is going to be great so that it's a bigger fall when he decides to become one of Edge's lackeys. But because they didn't spend the time to do that, they just kind of stated it and said it was. It doesn't work because that's not how dramatic things play right. at all. And then, 
And then the third beat, the third big chunk of this story is the lowest miscarriage therapy explosion. The Jonathan thing that leads out of the murder van. Uh. And the murder van is there to get us to that. And you know what? Out of those three big chunks of story, the best one is the, even though it doesn't belong in this story and makes no sense, the best one is the... Lois explodes at Jonathan needs to go to therapy to figure out why. And we get, and we unpack it this. It's no, but hear me out. Hear me out. Yeah. So listen. your kid almost dies. Explosive anger as a result of a previous child actually dying and not having processed those emotions makes sense as an impetus to action. Yes. And, Everything that follows from the Jonathan wanders stupidly into the murder van that somehow senses that this is the one person that should not be in here. We're going to laser him to death moment. Everything that follows from that with the with that subplot is the best writing in this episode of the show. And much like last week with that bubble between Sarah Jordan and uh, Jonathan, where its biggest sin was that it existed, not that anything within it was particularly egregious, this is that. And I think this was written as a thing that they were just going to chuck into an episode at some point. If they had, it's all the execution that makes it flawed. If they had developed it with a proper context... And if they had approached it with respect, and if they had given proper catalysts to bring all of the pieces to where they need to be, it would have been fine. But it was basically akin, it was so incoherent the way they got there, that it was like Jonathan was walking down the street and suddenly a rain of frogs started hitting him in the head. And then Lois suddenly decides to have a hysterical reaction. And Clark goes, well, honey, you're getting angry. Better get therapy. And that's the biggest sin about it, the thing that makes me livid about it. And I don't get angry. I know we joke about how ticked off I get about things, but there are only two things that have legitimately made me angry. And the reason that this makes me angry is because in context, it's insulting. No, it's but insulting it's not. Because no, no. It, well, no, he, let, let, hang on. Hang I, on. I, I'll let you finish. But so but. this is this is a thing because they have they have they have with this episode and with last episode. I know the episodes are written apart, but they happen in sequence and they are responsible for the viewing order and they give the okay for it to go out. And so you have a situation where last episode very clearly Superman absolutely loses his complete temper and is ready to kill an unarmed black man, and the only thing that stops him is Lois yelling at him, getting angry, if you will, right? And then after that, nothing is said about his behavior at all. Um, And then this episode, Lois sees her son in mortal peril in a way that makes no coherent sense, but then the response is that she needs to go to therapy to explore her emotions. And the people people will try to justify it, be like, well, it was Lois's choice. Well, no, it was the writer's choice to make Lois make that choice. And the commentary, when it comes down to it, is that dude gets angry and homicidal, he's fine. Gal gets angry, well, it must be some reproductive issue she hasn't processed. And that's the way it plays. That's probably not what they were trying to say, but... That's that's the first primary awful sin that actually makes me legitimately angry. The See, other part of it, the other the other half of it is speaking as someone who has had Lois's experience 
who has gone through what Lois is speaking of, the idea that I would then be crazy 14 years later, or that my, uh, that the person that I conceived a child with, I'm being vague intentionally to protect them, um, is, would, would also, would have issues. Just bringing it up and speaking about it, uh, quietly with her and her being like, wow, no, wow, no, that's kind of like, there's, there's an element where it's insulting, uh, it's just flatly insulting to insinuate that that's the way that these things happen in terms of trauma and the way they affect people. And as a therapist, she told me that that's not outside of the realm of possibility. Neither is a rain of frogs, notably. But, you know, like when people have this kind of trauma that recurs, it starts at the beginning of the event and it carries through. Right. And thus far, we have eight episodes where Lois has shown no signs of anger issues okay. because of little now, Natalie. And there is, yeah, I, I know where you're going. I know what wait, you're going to say. Wait, you're going to say, wait, wait. Natalie was prompted this episode. Yes. She saw Natalie. Natalie was, Natalie was right? prompted this episode. But more importantly, you and I spoke about this last night while we were both processing our intense dislike of the episode. Right. And I raised the argument that the Lois Lane who would have dealt with that 14 years earlier mm -hmm. was height of her career, living in Metropolis, husband's like first third of his career as a superhero. Um... Busy, 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 busy. Everything's intense. Everything's end of the world. Everything's massive and major and Pulitzer award winning. And now they are in a quiet, small town dealing with very minor end of the world type stuff by comparison. <laughs> and there's actually a, uh, a, a possibility of trigger and catharsis to occur. Did you run that theory by your therapist friend? Yeah, and no, she's still of the mind that, you know, like, it's the kind of thing that if it's going to be an issue, like, it, like, so my, 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 um, you know, I am not a therapist, but my understanding, because I've been through traumatic events, I have a lot of dysfunction and abuse in my past, and I have strangely, bafflingly, very few lingering effects except for a, a an abiding anger that I try to channel into positive things like analysis, right? Yeah. Uh, but like, I don't have any major drug issues. I don't beat my kids or my, uh, my significant others. Um, I don't, you know, like, uh, I, I don't shoot heroin. Um, you know, there was that one time in Disneyland. No, but ah. I, I've come out of it largely unscathed and I've asked about that in the past. Um, but there, there are folks who don't, you know, and a lot of my friends that I had growing up are, are dead or in jail or have chronic substance abuse issues or are kind of effed in the head. And why me? You know, you get that survivor's guilt thing going on. Um, but my understanding is that, you know, like you're not in charge of whether your brain is going to process it in a way that's healthy for you or not. But if it does become an issue, it's going to happen pretty soon after the trauma, unless it's some kind of repression. And then when it does come out, it's still going to be, you know, not 15 years later. I mean, you might have a horrible depression that starts because 15 years later, certain things resurface, but it's not going to be like, but that's the other thing. The thing that happens to Lois, Lois's reaction with her son is not like a, whoa there, buddy, you're shooting heroin in the back alley. You got to get some therapy. This is dangerous. She gets sharp with her son because he touched a hot stove. And that is not something that, 
that is untoward, out of place, wrong, or even alarming. Like, this yeah. is within the normal realm of an anticipated and fair response to a situation. Like, someone, someone like, almost runs over my kid. I'm going to scream at them, and, and, and if my kid runs out in front of a car, I'm going to go, Why did you do that? And I'm not yeah. going to immediately go, Oh, man, how did I lose that temper? There must be something deeply wrong with me personally. <laughs> it's like my kid almost got hit by a car. My kid yeah. walked into a murder van because he took a stupid pill. It's I have a legit the, reason the, to be ticked. It, it, that being an impetus for her to go and seek therapy was a little weird, but we needed the therapy so that we could get to the Natalie subplot, so that we could oh. see the overlap and the sympathy, and and we could so have so many tearful... different ways to do that though. And I love the idea of of making therapy a positive thing and of saying that women should not be afraid to talk about miscarriages and and that that people should not be embarrassed about things that happen and even that weird like. Like, it doesn't track to me that Lois Lane would be like, it's my fault that the baby aborted. Like, I don't, I don't see that. But I also see, like, wanting to give that storyline to Lois and making it a thing that you explore. It's like when, when, when Superman snaps somebody's neck, you know? Like, I can actually see why yeah. you might want to tell that story, but you must lay the groundwork when it's something of that level of gravity. You must do the work or you are just being critically ignorant of the way story works. All right. So before we, we wrap up and get into odds and ends and detritus, um, <laughs> want to talk about uh, the fact that the writers don't understand kryptonite at all and cribbed the entire fight scene from Batman v Superman for the oh. military bunker scene. You know, I'm not even so mad about the, the the sloppy kryptonite as I am about the logic of Rosado or whatever, Rizzotti. Uh, yeah. What the heck his name was, I forget. But like the logic that, that, that they kind of put it like, so, so he takes John and they go to Project Hell or 7734, I guess. Um, and... His idea is to attract Superman, and then he hits himself with kryptonite, and he hits Superman with kryptonite. So he's he's either vulnerable to kryptonite or he's not. It's binary. Yeah. Apparently he is because the the spear of destiny kills him, <laughs> right? So he's like, yeah, I'm gonna dose myself with kryptonite instead of I don't know dosing Superman with kryptonite at a distance and shooting him in the face. And he's like, yeah. he's a soldier. It makes you know, no coherent you know what sense. Bothered, you know what bothered me more than all of that combined? What? Trask. Yeah. That eight, yeah. That eight and a half well, foot tall okay. psychopath. Like, no. I have okay. one question about that dude, and one question only. And I know that this was a writer's choice, so the answer is because the writers did it. But how did that guy pass psych screaming? <laughs> well... If you buy that Sam Lane employs torturers, whatever, you know, they got a creepy guy named Trask who's tall and, like, lurchy and comes in and tortures people. I'm not... That doesn't bug me. What bugs me is that Superman stands by looking through the gra glass the minute Sam Lane's talking about torture and enhanced interrogation techniques, which is torture. And, yeah. and, and like, Superman's not like, okay, we're out of here, John. We're gonna have this conversation over at uh, Cadmus. But, I, you yeah. know, I haven't seen the other episodes. Maybe Cadmus is evil, too. But, um, <laughs> you know, like, like... There is no world where Superman's sitting there like, yeah, sodium pentothal, uh, torture, sure. Uh, I, well, I guess it's the law. Sorry. Uh, uh, you know, go do what you got to do, so, Sam. Okay, so I'm going to defend that because oh the writers... God. Wait, 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 wait. I am, I am. 
the writers have done the legwork over the course of the episodes, good and bad, to show that this iteration of Superman's relationship with the U.S. government and the U.S. military is a paranoid one. No, but they've done that work. They've shown it over and over and over again that there is a tension between what Superman wants to do and how the military needs him to behave. And you and I complain about hand-holding as a writing gaffe. And then when we aren't handheld and have it explicitly spelled out for us, and I'm going to bring up another instance from this episode where I think that occurred, though I could very well be wrong. Uh, but in this one, I think I'm right. When when it's not spoon-fed to us, we go, well, that doesn't make sense. And in this particular instance, we see that Superman doesn't like that the torture is happening, doesn't approve of the fact that they're talking about torture, tries to put his foot down. But the relationship between him and the U.S. military and the U.S. government, while it hasn't all been laid out for us yet, is very tense and very ten paranoid and very tenuous. And we've gotten that impression since the first episode. Well, so, sure. Yeah, so, so why, buy, does, why does so, Superman bring John to them, then? Because he knows if he doesn't, they'll... What happened last week, where... Or not last week, the week before, where they send out kryptonite bullet-armed goon squads to just do it themselves is something that's going to happen, and he can't be everywhere all the time. That's part of the problem with the premise, though. It's like, he absolutely can prevent them from getting to John, and they didn't know that the fight was occurring, and they didn't know that he'd found John. That's the biggest problem here. Fair. Like he, he could have taken him to the Fortress of Solitude, and also, for that matter, John has successfully avoided the DOD for all of these episodes. The problem is yeah. the premise. You know, like, they don't... They didn't think it through... So now there's no way that this can be explained outside of like, and, and, and granted, I hear what you're saying, you know, like I get that there are ways you can explain it, but the problem is we now have to reach and explain and make excuses for the writing. I don't, I don't think that that's a reach. I think, I think you're right. I think that him, so the, all of the CW, all of the Arrowverse shows suffer from dumb flash syndrome. Right. Um, and, and it's called Dumb Flash Syndrome because it's most egregious on The Flash, which is also one of the more enjoyable of the series, um, in that certain things that happen in the plot that are extremely big and extremely important can only happen because Barry Allen, who is a scientist, who is a rational thinker, who is detail-oriented to the point of OCD occasionally deliberately chooses to do the dumbest possible thing in any given situation and therefore a plot. Yeah, and um, that, that drives me crazy because, like, I, I... Speaking as a writer that nobody, you know, that nobody reads, but speaking as a writer, it's not... it Like, it's job one to create a plot where none of the characters are like that. You know, yeah. like that's that's job. That's not even that's independent of whether you like character oriented or plot oriented stories. You just don't run with the plot if it doesn't work like in that sense. Like like right now, 
There is no reason for Superman to be sitting there knowing that Morgan Edge is creating a program to make five dudes who are going to be, like, he knows this. There is no way he can know it, not know it, and not do anything and just sit there and wait for something to happen. It's, it's, it's not, it's not only detrimental to the character, it's insulting to the audience. Fair. And, and that choice is a dumb choice. But given that the writers made that choice and put John in that scenario, this, this, my argument is, since we're stuck with that sequence of events, mm-hmm. the scenario in which Superman responds the way he responds to this prospect of John being tortured rather than just grabbing him and yanking him out of there, that has been earned by the depictions they've given us thus far between Superman and this particular military and government. I can see that they went with it. <laughs> I, I don't know. You know, like I, I don't, I'm not saying it's a good choice, but I'm yeah. saying it's a choice that they have. They, they planted the seed, the tree grew. This is the fruit. It's, it's not unearned by what they've shown us already. So here's here's the issue. The issue is not that you're wrong, because you're not. The issue You can make that argument, but then you can point to another episode and make a completely opposite argument, and you can point to another episode and make an argument somewhere in the middle. And this is the problem with inconsistent characterization and plot, and this is one of the reasons why the CW shows and why this show of late, not in the beginning, but of late... Um, has drawn my ire. It's not because I'm looking for a reason to be negative. It's because they made promises to us that as storytellers, they have not kept. Right. And they have now gone to the place where they're like, yeah, you know, it's not all going to make sense. Just have a good time. And if that was the premise from the beginning, well, you know, like like Legends of Tomorrow, I watched that in 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 incoherent, strange Bebo episode, right? And I didn't yeah. go... They're breaking a promise they made to me. I went, yeah. this is what this is meant to be. And we'll get to yes. that. I have a Legends of Tomorrow thing before this is over. But like yeah. Superman and Lois did not do that. Lo- Superman and Lois said this is going to be a character-driven, quiet drama where the conflicts are not about these Kryptonian characters. They're going to be about how Superman and Lois parent, how Jonathan and Jordan come of age, the love they have for Sarah and the love Sarah might have back. Um, and the uh, complimenting them, the B plot, if you will, of, of Sarah's dysfunctional family and, yeah. you know, what it's like to come of age in a small town. And, you know, occasionally the strange things Superman has to do on the side that might interrupt that, yes. you know, and now it's like, it's all Superman and it doesn't make sense. And we're just rolling with it because it's exciting. And Jordan and Jonathan are along for the ride and Lois is along for the ride. And, you know, it's like, it, it's completely thrown the wheels off the cart and now it's expecting us to be like this is cw accept it be fine you know and so this goes back to the problem that i mentioned at the very beginning of the series was eventually this was going to have to be a cw show and the fact that it's become a cw show is probably why superman being very muted in all of the natalie discussion and looking like you know, it didn't really bug him as much as it was bothering Lois. And like, none of that stuff landed for me the way that it landed for you. Because to me, who's watched all these shows, and in particular, all the crossovers, I look at this, and I know that this version of Superman remembers a timeline where none of that stuff happened. Yeah. 
And so there's a version of him in that character makeup. There's a whole set of memories where he never experienced that emotional trauma. But for a viewer to whom this is their first introduction to this universe, he just looks like a callous jerk. Yeah. Well, there's also the element of, like, when things are introduced just to be cast aside, particular, particularly things that are meant to be of weight, um, it makes you not want to tune in and not want to care and not want to invest yourself. And this is, this is a, a big problem Smallville had. Like, the gal that he was so in love with that he married and, and two episodes later she was dead and they never mentioned her again. Or the kid that he basically adopted and said he was his new best friend and they never saw him again. And, and I made a lot of hay of that in the knockout count, but this is another one. I'd be willing to bet, like, I don't have any dang money, but I would be willing to bet $1,000 if I had the money that we are never going to hear a single word about this miscarriage again. I was like, just going to say that. Yeah, there's almost like, zero chance that that's ever going to happen. Again. Like this thing, you know, <laughs> and, and, and this is the thing. The next time Lois gets angry in the show, I'm going to be like, well, is she thinking of Natalie? And people are going to be like, oh, you're such a callous jerk. And, 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 I'm, and, and the truth is, I'm really just going to be highlighting that they didn't think of Natalie, you know? Yeah. yeah. And All that's right, the so crime. So before we uh, we uh, we cut to Detritus and then bring in the boy, yeah, right, uh, boy this week, boy next week. We'll get back to boys in a few weeks once we get scheduling sorted out, right? Um, uh, you said let's end on a high note. You said at the beginning that there were a couple of things that you thoroughly enjoyed in this episode too, and we we I, I know one of those two things was getting to bitch about this episode. But what was the other? <laughs> oh no, I was not looking forward to this though. I like your company because I know yeah. that people are not going to agree with me and are going to pick at me. That's what they've been doing for the last couple of days, and I get it. But it, you know, it's just like it's 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 an empty exercise. Yeah, you know, I have an opinion. You have an opinion. It disagrees. That's fine. You know, I have to say that over and over again while they get violently angry and threaten me um but it's weird i'm not getting any of those threats yeah i know it's because you know like i i take rather strong stances and i try to defend them and i and i also go on at length and people get really mad when you make them read um uh, but but the two things i like especially especially when you make them read gibberish spelt with a j oh yeah gibberish i i was gonna joke about that and then i decided to be nice to that guy you know like i tried to be nice like i have i have i have a cutting tongue if i want it and there are things that i write that would be cruel that i then delete and try and be a diplomat and even so it ends up with them deleting and blocking me for what you know they probably feel is punching down but that's that's neither here nor there the things that yeah. i liked the thing that i liked the most was sarah singing um that was that was a wonderful little moment her voice was great it had made no sense but it was just a moment of pure joy and i really liked that actor and i really liked that character in a completely innocent way you know yeah. like it's nice to be so divorced from being a young man that there's no like like you watch a show and you develop a crush on someone like she's so separated from it's, it's me. not it's not how you felt about chloe right yeah no and chloe like there was this whole element because i was in my early 20s right and this i'm like yeah. like i'm a dad now so i can separate myself I'm like look at that kid Look at that beautiful kid being a beautiful kid. Look at her go. Isn't she great? And feeling yeah. feeling proud for her and feeling happy for her. And being like, man, she's going to make some guy really happy. And some guy is going to make her really happy. And life's going to be great for her. She's got a world of potential. Good for her. You know, yeah. like, that's... I, 
that feeling that I had listening to her sing, completely irrespective of the plot, made me very happy. And uh, the other thing that made me happy was was um, was the moment that that um, that I I just flashed to Dewey Cox a couple of times because Dewey Cox is one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, yeah. Like Dewey Cox is absolutely what the art life is about in every way. Just lampooned excellently over and over. The, the, he has to think about his whole life before he plays, and you know, like ain't nothing <laughs> bad gonna happen today before my inciting incident. And the bit, like, like there's a bit when they're playing that's amore um, in the movie. Like Dewey Cox is playing that's amore, and he's doing it terribly. Yeah, way in the moon hits your eye like a big piece of pie, and it's the 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 Johnny Cash setup. You know, like the bit yeah. where he's like playing poorly and he hasn't found his true spirit, and uh, and and and. And um, so so he does a terrible job, and he's like, well, my mother said it was a pretty good job. And the man whose job it is to judge Dewey Cox hits the microphone and says, your mother was wrong, right? Sure. And, and that's what that's what, um, that's what what I saw in that scene in my head, you know, like when, yeah. when he's like going up there and just playing and doesn't know how to play, but he's still doing it, you know, like, like, like Jordan's like, I can play, I can actually play. And, and, uh, and, and I'm like, no, no, your mother was wrong. Um, <laughs> and, and that's just, that's me. That's giving the enjoyment to myself. But that moment, I just laughed like a buffoon and had a really great time. So, yeah, no, that's fair. All right. So let's, let's dig into some, uh, a little bit few minutes have you gotten any more um uh jupiter's landing watched i have just gotten to the end of the sixth episode i believe it is i have uh, reached the point where they're in the ship um and i'm probably gonna finish it in the next day or two i meant to finish it but uh i ended up dealing with online people and i also ended up dealing with some other stuff so it's been a it's been a pretty hectic crazy week but yeah. but uh it was canceled and I'm kind of bummed. Like well, I, I did this. It this wasn't thing. canceled. Okay, not renewed, right? No. So they have released the actors, and they are not doing a uh, Jupiter's Legacy season two. Mm -hmm. They are doing it anthology style, where the next season is going to be from the criminal underworld perspective in that universe. Okay. Well, cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I wanted to see more, and I got the feeling that my like I I I I was musing to myself earlier that perhaps my sense of taste is either incredibly old or gaslighting me because I'm sitting there like, man, this small uh, Smallville. See what I just did there? This Superman and Lois episode was just um was just abysmal, and everybody's like, it's so great, it touched me in an emotional way I've never felt before. Um, you know it, that I'm seeing online, and then I like I look at Jupiter's Legacy, and and it's canceled, you know, and I look at the announcement, and the people, are like, oh, this is terrible, it was horrible, like it, it, it didn't look like it was worth two hundred million, and I'm like people, and 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 then I realize it's not that my um my reaction to things are gaslighting me, it's that people online are awful, but <laughs> but um it's a it's not a bad show. It's it's like it's not it's so, not so, amazing, but it's not terrible. It's great. I mean, it's not like here's, it's here's no Fargo. Coming, here's what I keep coming. Yes, no Fargo. Um, here's what I keep coming back to with this show. If it was, if they had told it sequentially, if we had gotten a season one that was all flashbacks and right. ended with a cut forward seventy years. And that what what wound up being the pilot being the finale. 
Mm-hmm. I would have watched the crap out of that show and the second season and, and, and. I care way more about what's happening in the flashbacks than I do what's happening in the contemporary timeline because all of the good story is happening in the flashbacks. I'm, I'm kind of liking both. You know, I still am. It, but see, that's... That's it. Like, like, no matter how you chop this up, you know, if you told it sequentially, if you told it broken up, like, I don't see the thing, the, the breakup harming necessarily any of the secrets that have been revealed so far. It might be a bad taste choice. It's for just some, that some it's, viewers. it's, it's too thin, man. It might there's be. Just, there's just not enough there. Like, I'm, I'm entertained the whole time. I don't see anything epic being said about character here, but I don't see anything incorrect or inconsistent being told. I don't see any dovetails into miscarriage. Um, yeah. But, like... That was I, a totally valid and emotionally moving creative choice, Neil. Uh, and you should be you know, ashamed of yourself for not being moved by it. No, I was just referring to my own past. But, oh, okay. uh... <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> Did you assume my miscarriage? Did I you did. assume my miscarriage, Julian oh, Finn? Oh, no. Um, <laughs> all right. So the, um, but it's a perfectly serviceable show. And, and this is the kind of thing that like when people are saying, just sit back and enjoy it for things like from the CW, like Superman and Lois or the flash. Um, I find I'm perfectly able to do that with Jupiter's legacy. And I want to see more. Um, I am, I am really kind of bummed that, that it didn't, um, that it didn't resonate with folks and I don't get it because it's not like, I don't know, I guess, I guess there is an argument like when you've got stuff like Fargo and you've got stuff like Legion, when you've got stuff like Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul and all of the really just top tier stuff out there even, or, or the, even, the mayor of Easttown, I guess it is. No, but if you're looking at just Netflix's catalog. Right. If you're treating this in the same, if you're comparing this to the rest of Netflix's catalog of originals, mm -hmm. Jupiter's Landing, and and I'm gonna get accused of being a Marvel fanboy. I am first and foremost a DC guy, but I keep coming back to this that Marvel, for the most part, does the live media stuff just better lately. Mm -hmm. um, Jupiter's Landing can't hold the three seasons of Daredevil or the first season of Jessica Jones or the two seasons of the Punisher's jockstrap. I, okay. So I agree for Daredevil. I agree for Jessica Jones. Um, season I two of Punisher is a work of art. I didn't see the Punisher ones. I should probably watch that. Um, yeah. but like, I kind of lost the thread when they did the defenders and I got two episodes in and I was like, I'm not enjoying this, which is strange. Cause I thought the defenders would be the one I really, really liked. I thought, I thought the defenders would be amazing. The defenders was kind of lackluster. Um, the first season of Luke Cage is great. Luke Cage the, is amazing. Yeah. I yeah. really liked the Luke. The Cage first series. season of iron fist was misguided. Um, <laughs> I didn't get through it. I gave up. The second season of iron fist is amazing. Yeah. Um, but but season three of Daredevil, season one of Jessica Jones, season one of Luke Cage, and season two of The Punisher are a different level of TV entirely. And even the bad seasons of those shows are better than Jupiter's Legacy. I had I had dropped Netflix entirely because the catalog had just waned and they keep bumping up the price and I, you know... Eh. Um, but because of Jupiter's legacy, and this is probably what they hoped when they were spending their 200 million 
dollars or whatever because of Jupiter's legacy, I am now on Netflix again. Um, and was, you're on and you're stay. on Canadian Netflix, so you get to experience the weird disparity where we are missing all the shows but have way more movies than than your old American Netflix. That's true. I am certainly not using a VPN to cheat that system because that would be morally wrong and illegal. That would be something Beale Naley would do, and I am not Beale Naley in any way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, well, I, you know, if if hypothetically I had access to both, I would see exactly what you were talking about. But fortunately, legally, I don't because I follow all the rules. Yeah, but yeah, no. For me, on Jupiter's legacy, Jupiter, yeah, Jupiter's legacy being a Netflix original, being a comic book adaptation, Netflix original. The anticipation around it based on the catalog of Netflix originals. And I'm thinking, you know, starting with Orange is the New Black and moving into all the Marvel stuff and Lock and Key and... Uh, is that out yet? Know, yeah, the first season of Lock and Key's been out for like oh seven my months. God, how have I not seen that yet? All right, that's it's, getting on there. It's amazing. Um, the Umbrella Academy both seasons are amazing. Um... Like, the pedigree that you're expecting from a Netflix adaptation into uh, one of their original products is not present in this product. The, you know, uh, I, I just finished this novel, Blue Monday, and it ate me alive. I mean, I spent 15, 16 months on it just, just every day beating my head against the wall and this is what i missed you know this is what this is what meant by the wayside during that time the things that i normally would have seen um so i'm not surprised lock and key is out and that's a sacrifice i'm glad to make i'd make it twice but i'm kind of bummed now that i'm just learning that these things are out there and i haven't seen half of them um i just i hope that it does not put superman and lois as an example into starker contrast but but <laughs> before i forget um, just on a maybe a closing note, the uh, the thing that I wanted to mention about Legends is yes. uh, I had a long conversation with one of our listeners and an old friend of mine named Kate, and she uh, she was uh, suggesting some episodes that she watched we should watch next, and I figure I'm going to finish Jupiter's Legacy, but starting to jump into the next things that we're going to be talking about too. Uh, she suggested season four, episode twelve, which is the eggplant, the witch, and the wardrobe. And yes. the summary says, Ava's soul is stuck in purgatory, and John helps Sarah go to purgatory to save her. Purgatory is an Ikea. Yes. <laughs> Sarah and Ava can... What's that? It's uh, an amazing, amazing, so, weird episode of TV. So do you approve of that being one of the next things that we talk about? I figure you might, but... I, I, I do 100% approve. We should absolutely watch that episode. It's glorious. All right. Um, what so I thank would you, do if, What I would do if I were you is just read the wiki for the episode leading up to that one first so you understand <coughs> the nuance behind who some of these characters are. I, You know, I, I, I will probably skim and go in mostly blind because part of the fun of that Bebo episode was coming in completely oblivious. Yes. Like, it's the it's it's a rediscovery of that that uh, every comic is somebody's first, and this show in particular seems to lend itself to that well. It's like it welcome to this strange situation. Uh, none of this is none of this is 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 set in stone. You know, it seems to be nice that way. But um, uh, what's his name? Brandon Routh as Ray Palmer. 
<laughs> is the single greatest casting choice out of any of these shows ever. Well, I mean, it, 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 it's got to beat the Scott Pilgrim vegetarian. I mean, like that was. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> oh. um, but yeah, it's. Uh, it, it lets you see, like, there's always that slight hint of tragedy to it, because you're like, what if he'd stayed Superman? But the flip side of that is we get this super quirky Iron Man knockoff that is just constantly a delight to watch on the screen. Nice. Yeah, I was... Uh, week after I, week after week. I, I was really eager to uh, see something, you know, like, that was not the pulling out all the stops and episode 12 is probably a sweeps but still like in the middle of things kind of thing as opposed to like this it's, is where we are all just acting like it's the end of the story so all all of season four of legends is just wild like nice. you're watching it and you're like i can't believe this is a thing that exists but i'm here for it all right shall well, we bring next on the episode. milo yeah we'll bring on the milo and then we, we could talk about next episode here we go milo Perfect. Milo, it's been a long time, buddy. Yep, been a really long time. How's it going? Good. That's fantastic. I'm glad to hear it. How are you settling into Canada? Pretty good. Yeah? Yep. Are you excited for your first Canada Day in about three weeks? Yep. Yeah? Do you know what yep. they do? It's like it's like 4th of July. There's fireworks and mini donuts and all sorts of terrible for you snack food it's really really fun mm, that sounds mm. a lot of fun all right so we got two episodes that we have to catch up on yeah let's talk about the first one we're gonna do the first one first yep weird all right so the first one was called man of steel and actually, both episodes, Man of Steel and the second one was called was it Holding the Wrench. Yeah, Holding the Wrench are both about Captain Luthor, or who it turns out is not Captain Luthor. What's his name? Do we remember? Yep, Steel. Steel, or John Henry Irons, right? Yep. Okay, so how did we feel about that? I thought it was pretty actually good. Yeah, you thought it was cool? Yep. I liked the flashbacks, and I, my favorite parts were the flashbacks. Yeah, you like the bits where we got to see what it was like on his Earth? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, me too. That was my favorite part of that episode, actually, was I like getting to see all of the stuff that caused him to leave his Earth and come to this one, and the evil Kryptonians and all that jazz. Um, <clears throat> so... What was, I know, I know you said that you liked the flashbacks. Were the flashbacks your favorite part, or did you have another part in that episode that was, like, your favorite favorite? I liked the flashbacks, and if you wanted me to say a second one, I don't really have a second favorite part. Okay, that's fair. Sometimes you just have the one favorite. Was there anything in that episode you didn't like? Nope. And Nothing at all. So, oh, oh, and I... I'm going to tell you the order I watched them in. I watched the last one yesterday and the next one today. Okay, so you're you're catching right up, cramming them in before we recorded this. Yep. Okay, so the second one was called Holding the Wrench. 
So holding the wrench, we got to see more of John Henry Irons. We got to see his relationship with Superman change a little bit. How do we feel about this one? I thought it was actually pretty nice. Yeah? Why'd you like about it? I like the parts where where they just didn't know the song, so uh, Jordan just played it because as of his his dad of her Sarah his dad wasn't there and she just, and they just started playing can- the keyboard like dum 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 <laughs> that was pretty funny fair enough that's pretty excellent my dad uh, said it was from a movie called Dewey Cox did you like the fight between um, Superman and the uh, soldier with the superpowers? Yep. Were you scared that Superman might actually get hurt? Nope, I knew he would get through because I know oh, Superman is a tough guy, uh, a toughie. Fair enough. Even with all that kryptonite? Yep. Oh, you had more faith than I did. Uh, what didn't you like in the episode? I didn't like how Jonathan almost died. Fair, and that was kind of silly the way that he almost died, huh? Yeah, he could have possibly, before it had shut down all the way, probably got into the door before everything shut down. Well, and why did he go in there in the first place without his mom or his dad, like, just go in snooping? He should have put gone with his his dad like why didn't he go with his dad because he has the he's the one with the superpowers it's true well i think that jonathan might wind up with superpowers eventually anyway yeah yeah and and he might actually not know how to he's even got them but he might actually have superpowers that's what i think i think that's what we're going to discover Okay, so now that the Captain Luthor storyline is basically wrapped up, at least as far as him being a bad guy, what do we think is going to happen next? I think he's actually going to be fighting a lot more with Superman. I mean, yeah. not like fighting him, but fighting with him. And like fighting and I mean like helping him fight. Fair. Yeah, yeah. No, that's possible. I I think, yeah, they're going to wind up teaming up somehow, and he's going to put his comic book accurate S on that silver suit of armor that he's flying around in that he stole from the Lex Luthor of his universe, we're assuming, um, and team up to fight the ex-Kryptonite-infected humans. Yep. And put a stop to Morgan Edge. Yeah, because Morgan Edge, I kind of hate to say it, but he's not very nice. Yeah, he's kind of a jerk. Yeah. I agree. All right, well, we will find out what happens next, next week. Until then, be on your best behavior. Don't go into any murder vans without your dad. Bye, Julian. Bye, Milo. It was nice seeing you again. It was nice seeing you, too.
Well, hey there, all you super cat coes and kittens. I'm not going to ask you to like or subscribe or add us on Facebook or Twitter because, frankly, I just don't care. Julian might, but you'd have to ask him. I am, however, an independent writer of novels, comics, and reviews. I don't get paid for that, and I've been doing it steadily for 21 years. If you like what I do, and if you can, your support would mean a world of difference in my life. I have a website where you can find my books, neilbailey.com with an A in the Neil, N-E-A-L, not an I, and I have a Patreon where you can get exclusive early access to everything I do along with free copies of all my books and comics along with every new book and comic I make as they come out for the price of a coffee. Get yourself on over to www.patreon.com slash neilbailey and tell them Neil sent you. Thanks for listening.